Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. It is our first Sunday uh, after doing a show the previous Thursday of our summer vacation. So that uh-huh. is very nice. Yep. Uh, you know, <clears throat> your your last our, both of our last finals were Tuesday, so it's been a pretty chill week yeah. uh, for I, us, too. Uh, I... Left, I left school on Wednesday. On Tuesday, I uh, went to see some minor league baseball. I didn't talk about that last show, but uh, I'll actually I'll, t- I'll give a little talk about the minor league baseball experience because it was not what I was expecting. I went to Hartford uh, for the Hartford Yard Goats game. They, you know, it was their home opener, so obviously it was like you know it was a pretty decent sized crowd, all things considered. Um, and before I went to the game, I looked at like all the COVID guidelines at the you know at the ballpark. And just to see if like we needed a negative test, a negative or a vaccine or whatever we needed. And it just said like, wear your mask at all times, unless you're eating or drinking and just like monitor your symptoms and make sure you're not sick, which I was like, all right, like fair enough. So my, so my friends and I, we get to the gate and I'm expecting to get like the, the whole spiel of like, have you tested positive? And then the last whatever days, have you been in contact? Have you felt symptoms? We didn't get any of that. Like the guy just scanned our tickets. He was like, all right, go ahead. I was like, oh, that's like, that's way easier than I thought it would be so we get to the seats and there's probably like I don't know maybe like 10 to 15 other people sitting in our section none of them are wearing masks at any point like not not at any point excuse me (laughs) (laughs) thank you um yeah we're the only like the four like my three friends and I are literally the only ones wearing our masks like and no one's doing anything about it so that was weird and then throughout the game, like I kind of just ended up wandering around the stadium and I sat in like 10 different seats during the game. And at one point I was literally in the third row, like behind home plate. Nobody said anything. So like security was literally non-existent uh, at the ballpark that I went to. And Connecticut's like, you know, it's been a relatively strict state, but they're also doing well with the vaccine. So I think that was a bit of a reason for it. But that was my minor league baseball experience uh, in 2021. Yeah. I mean, if you figure it'll be uh less of a hassle with less seats in the stadium less likely for an outbreak but yeah like people are very close to giving up uh now so yeah it makes sense that uh makes sense that it's like that um but yeah uh not not too much going on in the league in the past uh, i guess you'd call it three days past weekend uh a couple headlines came around both surrounding the Dodgers. First of all, um, I guess rest in peace, my 2021 NL MVP prediction uh, as Corey Seager is uh, going to miss a month with a fractured right hand. Uh, I, I actually saw this uh, as it was happening on uh, MLB.tv. Got a fastball to the right hand. Seems like it's a 
fracture. They're calling it a fracture, and he's going to miss uh, about a month, which, uh, you know, bad. not the best. Um, I mean, yeah, this is obviously – it hurts a lot for the Dodgers. Um, I mean, like, who do they really have? I mean, obviously, they're, they're a very deep team, but when you think of the shortstop position, like, that's kind of just been locked up by Seager. You know, Muncy can go everywhere in the infield pretty much except for shortstop. Um, so that's unfortunate. They had Gavin Lux playing there today, but I mean, you know, he's out here with a 231 average, 592 OPS. Um, so that's not great. Um, Sheldon Noose played second today. They also had a couple of guys on the bench. Uh, I guess that could have been there, but realistically speaking, like, you know, you really need Corey Seager there because he's, he is far and away. A, the best shortstop you have in your team, like no one else can somewhat replace him, but also just, I mean, he's a catalyst in that lineup that's full of them still. Yeah, you know, you make a good point because he's arguably the most irreplaceable guy on that uh, on that Dodgers roster. You know, if you if you miss bets for you know a little bit of time, you have a lot of outfielders that can fill that. Spot. I mean, I mean, like they've been proving it with Bellinger. Like I know that they have been struggling recently, but overall, like has Bellinger like been playing the whole year at all? No, nah, he's he's been uh, he's been injured. Yeah, I mean, they started 13-2. and yeah, two, and So, like, they've proved that they can win without Bellinger. And, I mean, if you've replaced him with bets, like, you know, you could do that too. Yeah, it's – uh, but shortstop seems to be the play – because, yeah, if you if you lose Turner, <clears throat> you can put Muncie at third mm-hmm. and have potentially maybe Gavin Lux at second and uh, whoever at first. And, yeah, that actually reminds me, Edwin Rios is uh, – out for the been, out for the season as well. Yo, know, he was very much struggling too. Yeah, I think he had like an 071 average or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. They usually at first base they usually have Bellinger or Muncy, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else, but you know, Seager is pretty pretty irreplaceable with, at shortstop. You know, it, it kind of shows because when uh when Seager had to get Tommy John surgery, they went out and got Manny Machado uh, to play shortstop Mm -hmm. because, you know, without him, they had to make a very big deal. Um, You know, it, it did turn out that, you know, he was the biggest trade target and uh, the most, the, the guy that a team was most willing to give up. So it kind of worked out that way, but I guess it does say a bit about the situation and you wonder how they're going to, how they're going to be able to recover from this. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't think they're actually, if he's missing a month, they're probably not going to do anything at the deadline, but no, if this was much more severe. You know, maybe they would have taken a look at story, but you know, it's an intra divisional thing. That, that was going to lead to my next point is like, you might want to stop, start watching him after he gets back to see how he plays because he's obviously got a big winter ahead of him along with many other shortstops that are going to be on the free agent market. And a lot of times you see a you know a contract year really does make or break uh, how much a guy gets paid. And if Corey Seager gets hurt and starts, you know, starts showing signs of regression after the injury, like that's, that's going to cost him. Yeah, because um, bo- both of us know of a specific scenario with a – shortstop that plays for our favorite team the red sox xander bogarts i think in 2017 uh he got hit with a pitch i don't know if it was a fat if it was a fracture um and if it was less severe it actually proves the point even more uh he really struggled after that 
yep after that point um i can't identify like the specific date when it happened so i got i can help you out with that but yeah i like he was kind of cruising along doing very well having a kind of a bogarts like season and then uh you know the last couple months of the season he kind of shut down because he was unable to swing uh like he normally would have but you know hopefully for seager that's not the case but it's always something you have to keep in mind um if you're especially if you're a dodgers fan and yeah uh, bogart's played 148 games um i'm not sure when he got hit but it didn't seem like he had to miss too much time because of this injury because he did play in 148 games but it wasn't an issue of him not playing it was an issue of he was clearly affected uh by something i'm going to I'm going to go to his page as well. I'm on his page right now. Uh, 2017 but, game logs. Uh, but in the in the month of September, eh, he did okay, actually. But from August, uh, from the start of August to the end of the season, he slashed 255, 353, 391, 744, uh, which is, I mean, kind of, he was kind of around league average as a hitter. So, I mean, I guess that isn't great. I don't know. Like what we're... What yeah, the specifics uh, were, though, it happened. I'm looking at from June 25th on, he had a 644 OPS. That's the um, one. But I don't know. I feel like the thing happened. I feel like it happened later on in the year. So, but I remember it was kind of a talking point as the uh, as the season progressed, and it was one of his. Uh, worst years Seeger so far i forget what he's done so far he started out very hot and oh he's then... great he's been great he's got a he's 89th hard hit per 89th percentile hard hit percentage 81st percentile in max exit velocity average exit velocity is 83rd x woba 87th expected batting average 88th x slug 78th uh also k rate 77th and walk rate 71st so yeah he's been kind of elite basically well, well in terms of what's in terms of actual results, uh, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, OPS. 783 OPS isn't great, but I mean, his uh, his expected slugging is 501, which is about 80 to 80 something points higher than his actual. Um, his ex woba is 381, which is 35 points higher ish, I think, maybe more. Yeah, uh, it's about see- yeah, 35 ish points higher. Um, his expected statistics have proved that he's gotten unlucky basically. Yeah, he generally uh, does get unlucky. I think it's because um, I think it's because he hits a lot into the shift, and anything makes hit, sense. hit hard into that shift. Because, but yeah, last year he was. If you look at his, if you look at his spray chart, a lot of his hits this year have been singles, like to the to the left side or to the right side of the infield. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I guess yeah, definitely unlucky. That's why. That's part of the reason. Part of the reason I was re, uh, I was high on him this year. Um, because he was also unlucky last year, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what could have happened if uh, this injury did not happen? But here, how about that last year? Yeah, I remember. I remember you were like, there are two players or something like that that have had like top, this many top hard two hit balls. In barrels. Yeah, top two, and you were like. Hey, I, you were like, guess one of them. And you wanted me to guess Tatis. And I was like, I know Corey Seager is one of them. You were like, 
Well, that's that's my how about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one. He was one of them. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Seager, uh, Seager hits the ball hard, and you know, we hope we hope that happens more after uh, after he's recovered from the injury. Also, a note: it said at least a month, so month minimum. It could end up being a couple months. Uh, Let me check what Fangraphs is saying. It probably says no timetable for return. Yeah. Or if that it says one month. Go ahead. Um, but I, go ahead I mean, I like that. the injury report of Fangraphs. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Corey Seager out at least four weeks, so basically a month. Uh, yep. He's eligible, eligible to return on May 26th, technically, because it's 10-day IL. Oh right, yeah, yeah, that's true. Which I mean, that's that's not going to really be much of a factor. Yep, yep, and well, you know, it's not. It's definitely not sixty day IL worthy. No. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all we got on the Corey Seager injury that happened Saturday night, and mm-hmm. uh, this was not the first Dodgers headline to come across in the past three days. Uh, they're taking a, I, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing with this move. I uh, think I can, I think I can sort of point something out. Yeah. Maybe potential pitch hitting thing, but, uh, Albert Pujols is back in major league baseball back in LA, back in LA only has to take, uh, has to take, you know, maybe a 30 minute to an hour drive. And he has found his new home in Dodger stadium Albert Pujols, now a Los Angeles Dodger. Yeah. Uh, pretty wild um, how this happened. Well, I mean, my first takeaway is just like, I mean, this isn't really that important, but it's going to look super weird seeing him in a blue in a, seeing him in a blue uniform. Yeah, after 21 years. Yeah, 21 years of red. Yeah. Like, even when he went from the Cardinals to the Angels, it's like, well, he's going to be wearing the same uniform color, so it's not going to look that different. Now it's going to look super weird. Right. Yeah. Like, this um, is very unfamiliar territory. Yeah, as a team this year, the Dodgers are slashing 219, 315, 349, 664 um, against left-handers. Uh, they are 22nd in the league, I believe, uh, in something. What are they in weighted runs graded plus? They have an 87. Um, yeah, they're 22nd in the league in, eight, in weighted runs graded plus, just so I thought. And Albert Pujols, uh, he's done particularly well against lefties this year. If you look at his Savant page, actually, he looks pretty good, uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, we pointed. Yeah, you pointed that out uh, last week. Ago. Yeah, um, like a little unlucky. Like I think his like his strikeout percentage is like interestingly low this year. Um, yeah, he's loading up his Savant. Yeah, he's 89th percentile in uh, in strikeout rate, and he's also. I mean. I hate I hate that max exit velocity is on pages. It's so cheap. Um, eighty first really, percent, yeah, percentile in x slugging. Like yeah, we need a we need a petition to get to get x or max exit velocity off of off of people's savant pages. Because like if you look at Corbin Burns, it's like he's you know like ninety fifth percentile in everything, and then he gave up one like super hard hit ball, so he's like fifth percentile. Yeah, uh, Albert Pools anyway. Uh, he's done particularly well against lefties this year. I'm trying to find the, um, I'm trying to find the exact numbers. 
Um, so he's he's hitting 259 with a uh, yeah, look at this 259 with a a 286 OBP. So he's not really walking, but he's got a 593 slugging and an 878 OPS for a 144 weighted runs created plus against lefties, and that is in 28 plate appearances this year. So it's not necessarily that small of a sample size considering how many lefties he's probably like realistically that all people have faced this season. Uh, let me see where that ranks in the majors. I mean, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, I mean, I think, I think, you know, just by looking at that, you could pretty easily point out what his role is going to be um, against, or, uh, you know, off the, like with the Dodgers, he's probably going to be coming off the bench to face lefties. And I mean, what lefties do you have in that division? That are like you got Madison Bumgarner, who's been on a bit of a tear recently. So I guess you have that. I guess Ryan Weathers. Ryan Weathers, even though uh, he Blake doesn't Snell. pitch that many innings. Blake Snell. Um, all right, Pools yes. doesn't. Pools does not qualify, I guess, but he would be ranked 53rd in between Pete Alonso and Jorge Polanco and weighted runs created plus versus lefties. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, like he could play His more of a role. Would be even better. His slugging would be, it's 593. It would be 32nd between Andrew McCutcheon and Nelson Cruz. Wow. Imagine telling someone like two months ago, like, yeah, a month into the season, Albert Pools will be hitting, will be slugging lefties better than Nelson Cruz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'd be wondering what year it was. Yeah. Um, Before Nelson Cruz even played. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, among it's, among hitters with at least 20 plate appearances, Albert Pujols is uh, 593 slugging percentage against lefties, ranks 41st in between McCutcheon and Francisco Mejia. And then, nice. and, and then Nelson Cruz. Actually, technically, he's tied. they're tied basically between McCutcheon and Cruz with Mejia mixed in there as well because Mejia and Cruz are tied. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. Um, it Like... Yeah, you can you can slot them in. It, it's it's a shame that uh, the DH is not a thing in the NL this year because mm-hmm. he could have played a lot bigger of a role. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess you know with the three batter minimum, you know you and the, if you have the pitcher spot open and there's a lefty out there, he could play a a pretty big role if uh, if if they need him to do that. I'm setting up my phone flashlight right now because I like the lights getting worse out here, and we have a, normally have a light on a fan, but that's not working. Should I do like the uh, the scary story face? Right yeah. Flashlight like under my face. I'll do this during slightly alarming. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll keep that for now. I think this is fine. But I mean, can can you imagine uh, Albert Pujols wins his third World Series <laughs> at the age of? whatever 40 uh two his somehow somehow he actually starts doing really well with the dodgers he hits a walk-off home run in the world series for his 700th career home run (laughs) yeah even though though that doesn't actually count even though they don't actually count postseason home runs right (laughs) (laughs) that'd be funny like he ends the regular season with 699 so every fan's like all right he's gonna hit 700 in the postseason then major league baseball is gonna be like actually no <laughs> that doesn't no. count. And then and then no one picks him up uh <laughs> after the season. It's like, oh dang. He couldn't do it. At least he passed A Rod. Yeah. 
He just he goes he hits thirty three home runs within a within three and a half months. Yeah, <laughs> and then no one picks him up. It'd be like an absolute two thousand seven Barry Bonds moment. Yeah, they they knew they the MLB knew what was going on. Uh, but yeah, Albert Pujols with the Dodgers. Um, you know it, the the numbers against lefties. Uh, the numbers against lefties are particularly intriguing. Yeah. Like a 100, being 44% above average against lefties, pretty big deal, I think. That makes them even worse against righties. Yeah. So, um, I think it's very funny how, I mean, I feel bad because, like, he got, you know, when he got uh, released by the Angels, like, he was basically coming out and saying, like, he wanted more playing time and he wanted to play first base every day. And it, it, I think it was kind of reported that it was a mutual thing. Like he wanted to be out of out with the angels and they wanted to be out with him. And he goes out trying to find everyday work and he settles for less right next to where the angels play. Yeah. Like if like, like I feel like angels fans would take that kind of harshly. Like even if he wasn't very good with them, it's still like, dude, you, you openly said you didn't want to be with us because you weren't getting playing time. And then you went to our next door neighbor where you also were not going to be getting playing time. Yeah, very uh yeah, it's kind of weird how that all worked out. I guess I guess he just took a scan, he got no callers on you know, starting uh maybe he just thought that he would get more action on potentially starting as a first baseman and then and then no one called him and then he was like, "I'll just go to the best team." You know what? They're facing Madison Bumgarner tomorrow. I wonder if he's in imagine all right, if if, if Albert Pujols is in the starting lineup tomorrow against Madison Bumgarner, where do you think Dave Roberts puts him in the order? Hmm. Um, I wonder what his regular lefty lineup is. Uh, well, he's not. Uh, let me find off. one. He, they faced Pablo Lopez today, but then again, it was a Sunday lineup, so I'll skip that. Um, yeah, it was probably like seventh or maybe maybe sixth. Maybe six, six or seven, I would say. That's what I, I was literally going to say, six or seven as well. Um, I don't think he has them hitting third. Because you're as crazy as that sounds. Um, okay, they've the Dodgers face Yusei Kikuchi on Tuesday. They went with Betts, Seeger, Turner, Will Smith, Muncy, Chris Taylor, Sheldon New, Scavin Lux, Walker Bueller. So, I yeah. mean, obviously, you got to take Seeger out of that. Uh, but even still, like, he's obviously not going to be above Betts or Turner or Muncy or probably Will Smith. I could see him. Their, their first baseman was Muncy, um, who hit fifth. But, I mean, Muncy's obviously a much better bat. And even if he is a lefty himself, uh, yeah. I don't see who's in that spot. Imagine if he just has him hitting third. Yeah. Yeah. Just turn back the clocks. Yeah. It's like, all right, we got, we got bets on. We need someone who can drive him in. I'm sorry. Does anyone else on the roster have 2,000 RBI? No. Nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't see a single other 3,000 hitman on this team. We're gonna have a competition for third in the batting order between all the players who have 2,000 RBI. All right. It's like Google. Max Muncy's like, listen, like I got, I got a 900 OPS this year. Yeah. Well, do you have 650 something career home runs? 663, I think it is. <laughs> It's like, as far as I'm concerned, you're about 500 behind Pujols. So yeah. you need Maybe to Albert. shut your mouth. 
Did you hit? Did you crush one off Brad Lidge in 2005? No, I don't think so. You were probably in middle school. Get, get back to yeah. six. How many World Series have you won? You've won half as many as the guy that's going to hit third today. Yeah, come on now. Give me, give me number five. Who wears number yeah. five on the Dodgers right now? Oh, it's Seager. Seager. What if Seager has to give up his number? <laughs> like Seager. Seager just comes back from his injury. All right, dude, you're number 26. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess Pujols uh, will have to change. Maybe to... he's definitely going to. It's gonna be the first time in his career he's not number five, right? Yeah. He, he was he was that, and he literally came up as number five in two thousand one with the Cardinals. I think he should is is twenty five available. He sure did. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it should end in five. Or he could be 55. Yeah. 55 would be the next best, I guess. I would love to see Albert Pujols produce exactly 0.4 baseball reference wins above replacement with the Dodgers so we can end at exactly 100. Yes. Yeah, he needs to be in the uh, 100 war club. But unfortunately, what will happen He's not even close on fan graphs because baseball reference is usually generous and they are with him as well yeah i don't know what the uh i don't know what the difference is but also it's a like oh uh, well he i think i don't on even fan think graphs, oh. on fan graphs on fan graphs he is at 86.9 yeah but, uh, also- but granted his last five seasons have been negative 2.0 negative 0.3 negative 0.5 negative 0.2 negative 0.3 Right. So yeah. I wonder if he was ever. I wonder if he was ever at a hundred. I don't think he was. There's no way. No. He might not have. He was probably at ninety once, and that was about it. The last time he was above replacement on Fangraphs was 2016. Nice. He had a solid 110 weighted runs created plus. He played a hundred. He played 152 games and had a 0.8 WAR. Boy. That's that's a that's not. I I can't even act like. It's like, well, he was above replacement. He played 152 games. I would hope so. Right. Yeah. Jesus, that is that is bad. Uh, yeah. I guess that says says what. But, but hey, he had 30 home runs and 119 RBI, so he did awesome, actually. Yeah, like that's one of those uh, empty seasons where, like, he. Had, I think I'm pretty sure he had like not many walks, like a low on base percentage, and. Uh, not many doubles either, but he just uh, his walk, up. yeah, his walk rate was 7.5 percent, yeah, but he's just stacked it up with home runs and RBI because Trout was ahead of him and he probably scored him a bunch of times, yep, yeah, because Trout, Trout won MVP that season, yeah, and he had he had like a 440 on base percentage, <laughs> uh, he was on yeah, base a ton. Did. Yeah, Trout did. Pujols had a three twenty three on base percentage. That used to be like his his standard batting average. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I guess that does it for uh, the Albert Pujols part of the episode. You know, there's a lot of things that can go on. Whatever, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. It'll be very interesting. I think I think yeah, the most frustrating thing is going to be him in blue and a number not number five. It's just gonna look really ugly on it's like. Gonna, yeah, it's almost gonna look like he's page. just a straight up upcoming prospect. It's funny, like when when he homers, like the MLB, like you know the Twitter 
the MLB home run Bob will tweet like Albert Pujols number five of the Angels. Then all the all the replies will be like young up and coming prospect has a lot of promise. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Um, so now we get into uh, our players to highlight uh, for the Monday, May seventeenth edition of. So, who do you have to highlight uh, for this episode? There's been a theme uh, throughout this episode, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, we've talked about Corey Seager. We've talked about Albert Pujols, both on the Dodgers. And naturally, my how about that is on the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm looking at Chris Taylor today. Uh, when you think of all the great like Dodger hitters that they currently have, you know, we mentioned Seager, even though he's hurt. They have Betts. They have Muncie. Chris Taylor has been right with them, and no one's really talking about it. He's a hit in 15 of his last 19 games. And since April 24th, he's slashing 344, 468, 516 with a 984 OPS. And overall throughout the 2021 season, he's slashing 288, 425, 483, 908. Uh, His 15.8% walk rate is tied for 12th in the majors. And uh, that puts him in the 94th percentile walk rate in the league, obviously. Uh, His ex-Woba is in the 89th percentile. Uh, which is pretty nice. His sprint speed is also in the 89th percentile as well. I feel like having a, a sprint speed and a walk rate in the top 15 percentile is a pretty rare combination, even when you throw X Woba in there as well. And Chris Taylor has been doing all that this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chris Taylor is just one of those unsung Dodgers. Um. He's been kind of just like every so every day. I'll I'll admit to this. I'm a I'm a big nerd. Every single day, I check the FanGraphs leaderboards. It's like it's literally. I wake up, I go on my laptop, I check FanGraphs, and when you check the you know the hitter leaderboards, it automatically sets to the top players by WAR. Chris Taylor's just been staring me in the face for the last like two weeks. I'm like, I see you there. I see you right with you know Justin Turner and uh, Brian Reynolds, who's also been doing very well. Um, I, I see you there and I know that no one's talking about you, so I'll do it just yeah. because no one else seems. That's what I kind of do for, uh, for this segment. And then sometimes I'll isolate it to the past three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I did with mine. Um, so my, how about that is, uh, the leader in F4 in the last three weeks heading into Sunday. Uh, because, you know, we don't have Sunday's stats updated on Fangraph, so we don't know the leaders. But uh, I'm talking about, uh, I, I think you I think you put him as a how about that last year, uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I, think, I believe I did. Yeah. 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 And he's he keeps on doing his thing, uh, pretty unsung. He's, he's just kind of one of those guys that does everything, uh, everything you can on a baseball field. Uh, first of all, in his last 15 games, including today, he's hitting 375 with a 1018 OPS. Also, he is one of five shortstops to have four or more outs above average this year. And, you know, I'm sure that's going to climb. He's one of the d- better defenders in the league. You know, his outs above average are in. He also used to be a catcher. Uh, yeah, funny, f- funny how that worked out. Uh but his uh, outs above average are in the 96th percentile in all of baseball. Also, he is sixth in uh, base running runs, which is a fan graphs kind of kind of fan graphs version of your base running, like above and below replacement. 
He's sixth in that, and he is also tied for fourth in stolen bases uh, with seven on the year uh, in 2021. And so far in 2021, he is currently second in baseball reference wins above replacement among position players. So, you know, he's not top. He's not necessarily top in the OPS leaderboards uh, or even, you know, not really at the top of the stolen base leaderboards or, you know, a gold glove defender, but he's really been good at everything, uh, especially as of, as of late and uh, you know, leader in F4 in the past three weeks of baseball out of all the players in baseball. It's, it's a, uh, it's the Rangers shortstop Isaiah Kiner Falefa. So he is getting my, How about that? Uh, so now we move from the highs to the lows where we're talking uh, players or general subjects that have not been doing well. So here's for our Monday, May 17th, 2021 edition of Slightly Alarming. So what do you have for Slightly Alarming? So today, um, my Slightly Alarming isn't particularly uh, a perennially great player every year, but there is kind of an elephant in the room when discussing his performance and uh, it's Scott Kingery. Um, You know, it's hard to talk about him without thinking about the fact that the Phillies signed him to a six year, $24 million extension before he played a major league game. That's obviously not great, but um, he's been legendarily bad to begin this season. Uh, He's accumulated 19 plate appearances over 15 games played. Uh, So he's, I mean, he's, He's been pinch running in games. He's pinch hitting, not really getting a lot of opportunity, but I mean, why would you when in his 19 plate appearances, his only uh, on-base appearance is one single. And uh, to be fair, he got all of that single. It was, uh, it had an exit feel of 61.3 miles per hour. Um, so that's not great. He's hitting, he's got an 056 average, and that is his slash line across the board, giving him a 105 OPS or 105 OPS. Uh, oh, by the way, his max exit velo, which is the only stat that shows up on his savant page, is a seventh percentile. Uh, it's an 88.9. He's never hit a ball harder than that this season. And uh, like I said, he is, an, he is a 105 OPS plus in 15 games through 19 plate appearances. He is the first position player to have an OPS at or below 105 in 19 plate appearances through 15 games exactly or 19, at least 19 plate appearances in 15 games to start a season since Brooks Conrad did in 2012. He is one of just 25 position players to do that in the modern era, and he is the only player to do it in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. So Scott, can, oh, by the way, he also faced uh, the man himself, Robbie Ray, today. He went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Can't say I blame him, but it's not going to help his cause at all. He is my... Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the fact that his single was 61.3 miles per hour. I think yeah. it says everything you need to about. In fairness, uh, they did have a 300 expected batting average. It was it was a it was an absolute classic Texas leaguer if I've ever seen one. So it had a 30 percent chance of being a hit, and finally, yeah. finally, one landed yeah, for uh, Kingery. Yeah, it's weird. Kind of been uh, disappointing for the Phillies thus far. <laughs> What can you do? Uh, my slightly alarming uh, is not a specific player. I'm actually going with a subject. Uh, I'm talking about 
the Twins pitching staff. Uh, you can just say yeah. the Twins in general, but the prognosis of why they've been doing so bad is because mostly of their pitching. Their offense has been about average since things started going awry. Uh, twins pitching. Since April 10th, the Twins are 8-23, and 23, and uh, this is largely due to their pitching. Uh, from April 10th to May 15th, which is Saturday, because you know they're not, they don't have the data for uh, Sunday, their team ERA ranked 28th in Major League Baseball, and their team FIP ranked last in all of baseball since April 10th. Also, their 1.8 home runs per nine is also last in the span. Uh, if you want to look at individual performances, Kenta Maeda since April 10th has a 6.26 ERA in 27 and two-thirds innings pitch. This is a guy who finished third in the Cy Young vote last year and is not performing nearly, nearly to what he was last season. And Matt Shoemaker, a guy who was pretty good for the Blue Jays last year, who the Twins picked up on a somewhat small deal, but they expected a little more out of. Matt Shoemaker since April 10th, 7.71 ERA and 7.41 FIP in 28 innings pitched. And also since April 10th, the Twins have had 12 players throw 10-plus innings, and only one of those pitchers has an ERA under four. Uh, you know, if you have an ERA of about four, that's like decent, but 11 out of 12 have an ERA over four. And, you know, it just, it doesn't just, it's not like they all have ERAs in the fours. There's guys with ERAs in the sixes, like Kenta Maeda, even, even above that with the relievers. So the twins pitching staff uh, has kind of made them as bad as they have been going eight and 23 in their last 31 games and 13 and 25 overall in the season after, you know, we both predicted them to be a, a playoff team. And after they've won two division titles in a row, uh, you know, this is kind of how it's been going with the, with the twins. So twins pitching staff looking slightly alarming. Uh, kind of felt it was necessary to address the twins because they've just been, slipping and sliding continuously and we thought we you know in the back of my mind i'm like yeah they'll recover though and it just hasn't happened yet yeah it hasn't yeah weird um but we have a uh now we can get into our preview of the week ahead um there's a couple you know one series particularly is you know pretty exciting to me but another piques my interest for another reason. What are what are you looking at for a preview of the week ahead? It's honestly a great question. I don't really know. Like nothing to me is too too exciting. I'd say if anything, probably Mets Braves. Uh, the Braves have been playing better lately. The Mets have Taiwan Walker going on Monday against Max Fried. We mentioned earlier this week he's probably the best uh, steal of the offseason. Uh, on Tuesday. The, the Mets have not announced their starter, but the Braves are going with Charlie Morton. And on a Wednesday, uh, it is TBD versus Drew Smiley. And is it a four-game series or a three? It is just a three-game series. So I guess that's probably what I'll have my eye on this week is Mets-Braves. 
Yeah, that's a good one to point out because like the Mets after their winning streak, you know, they get swept and now it's it's still anyone's game in the NL. Well, obviously, you know, it's early in the season, but like everyone the is Braves still been playing better. Yeah, um, they like they Braves took two or three better. from the they took two or three from Milwaukee, and today they almost came back from an eight nothing lead or an eight nothing deficit. Right, and uh, everyone in that division is within three games of each other still, mm-hmm. uh, about a quarter of the way through the season. So that's something to uh, something to look at. You know, m- maybe the most exciting division in baseball because they're all kind of around five hundred. Um, my series to look at, uh, you know, the winner of this series uh, takes, or the winner of this series will be the leader in the division uh, after it is done. Uh, A's Astros, you know, they've they have a bit of a, a little bit of a history. I don't know if it's that tense, but they play some exciting baseball. Tuesday night, you got Sean Manaya versus Christian Javier. Wednesday night, you have Zach Granke versus Frankie Montas. And Thursday night, Thursday night, you have Cole Irvin versus Luis Garcia. So, you know, some pretty even pitching matchups. And, you know, these two teams are kind of firm rivals right now and uh, battling for that top spot in the AL West. Also, Astros, they're coming, they're coming off a six-game win streak or they're currently on a six-game win streak, and maybe the A's are going to be the ones that can cool them off. Who knows? So that's going to be a pretty exciting series. It's out, out in the Bay. So that's going to be a that's going to be a good one. And I guess that closes it closes it out for Above Replacement Radio, the 116th edition of it. And we hope you enjoyed this one. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope you will enjoy the next one, which will likely be coming Thursday. We'll, we're, we'll be talking about all the happenings in Major League Baseball. We'll see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.